Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is Acast Recommends. Every week, we pick one of our favorite shows. And this is one we think you're going to love. Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd, and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband. A baby podcast, that is. It's a spin-off of our show, Reasons to be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club, and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan, and the big short and moneyball author Michael Lewis. Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent Acast app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Everything is Black and White podcast brought to you by Chronicle Live, bringing you the latest insight on everything to do with Newcastle United. You can find us on iTunes, Acast, Spotify or most podcast providers. Hello and welcome to Everything is Black and White Podcasts. I'm your host Andrew Musgrove and it's time for our weekend review. Um, not that you need any reminder, but Newcastle United were beaten 5-0 by Leicester in what was an absolute, uh, it was just a dismal display. We're joined here by Kieran Kelly and Lee Ryder, back from the King Power both. Um, they say in times like this, maybe time's a healer. But I think having looked back on it and rewatched Match of the Day this morning, it just looks... 10 times is worse I mean it was Lee you said it was one of the worst performances you've seen in the Premier League for Newcastle United yeah well it was and it was certainly one of the heaviest as well but uh, the reason I said that was and if quite a few people must have agreed because I got enough retweets um, but as far as I'm concerned you can get you can get undone by a good team and you can lose 5-0 and teams can try but the second half I didn't see any desire I didn't see players uh, sprinting around, getting blocks in. Um, I didn't see anybody showing any type of leadership. I didn't see anybody encouraging each other. I just thought it was a, um, you know, we talk about you know the meaning of a team. Well, that just felt like the, the complete opposite. And there was little bits happening in the first half as well. I mean, Fabian Scher is obviously massively frustrated with what's going on at the minute. Um, but to take things into your own hand and try having shots from the right wing it's just it's not the place to do it in the Premier League you, you know unless unless you're Beckham and you, you're capable of doing it don't try it and there were so many little things like that that just sent out the wrong signal to me and that's why I, that's why I wrote what I wrote I was going to get onto that effort but we'll, as you mentioned I'll, I'll ask it now last season there were, there were times when for instance, when Miguel Miron would run, run down the wing and he would do something Benitez didn't want, you could see Benitez, he was fuming, he was angry. And largely players seemed to stick to some sort of game plan. They knew if there was a straight ball, they'd get a, you know, they would get a rollicking off Benitez. Um, it's, it's ifs and buts, but I can't really imagine that kind of situation happening under Benitez where the striker is literally, no, it doesn't have to be a good pass. 
you know, you hit that half decent pass to Mutu and he's one on one. Yeah. So what is it that the lack of discipline's gone under Steve Bruce, do you think? <sighs> the devoid of a few things at the minute and di- discipline seems to be one of them. Um confidence is the big one and the probably the most important of all. But just organisation uh, you know, Joe Linton came off the pitch and it was the fastest he ran when he came off. Um no service to the lad. To his credit, um so much wrong with it. I could I could sit here for three hours and find you know more more to complain about. Um, and I'm normally try. I like to try and be as positive as I can. You've got to be in this life. But <laughs> look, that was it was way way short. And I think Steve Bruce knows that. I think the players deep down know that it's now. What are they going to do about it? And that is the the big question of the week. Most worrying thing for you, Kieran, that you saw yesterday. Yeah, I think he thought maybe after Norwich that that would be that one out of your system that, okay, fair enough, not fair enough, but these things happen. But, you know, that was only a few weeks ago and you're seeing a very worrying parallels again happen. And it, it, it's kind of feeling that it's, as much as the Spurs game was, was amazing, that that was against the trend of what we've really seen in the first seven games. Okay, I know it's so early to, to be talking like that, but very quickly a season can get away from you if you're not careful and if, if they keep playing like that you know I we were looking for a response after Brighton Brighton was disappointing the way they they stood off backed away and let a team who are one of their rivals just dominate the ball at, at St James's Park and sure against Leicester I thought the first 50 minutes you know they were pressing more sensibly it was you know it was okay but to be honest, I think they made Leicester look a lot better than they actually are in some ways. I know they're a really good team, really exciting team, but it's a very young team. You look at that midfield, how that Leicester midfield bossed it, how um, you know Vardy, who Newcastle have previously gotten game plan spot on when stopping him at home. You know how you you close that gap between the lines, how you you stop him getting a run of steam, and um, you know he, he tore Newcastle apart. And I think as much as the defending for the goals was, was so terrible, it was just that that last half hour for me where, uh, yeah, they had 10 men, but they just looked like they wanted to be put out of their misery with the full-time whistle. And just that the basics, as I said, where you expect them to try and show resilience and the right attitude. And the irony is, as we know, they have done that in that very same stadium. You know, the previous two visits, they won both brilliant performances that, took them to safety effectively whereas this one was probably a reminder that they're already in deep trouble and they keep going this way it's going to end in relegation let's be honest you mentioned there the basics and Steve Bruce made it clear afterwards that he felt that his side didn't do the basics and said you know we've got to sort out the mistakes and it's not the first time he said that over the past few weeks where he has hinted you know that the kind of schoolboy stuff in so many words isn't being done. Um, you know, his reaction after uh, the Norwich game was strong, the reaction after the Brighton game, yes, it was a point, was strong. I just question what, what happened last week in training. If, if we're back here at the point where we're saying, yet again, the basics have not been done, when he basically spelled out last week that they had to get back to the basics. Yeah, I mean, I think it's telling some of the, the words have been used both manager and the players so after the Norwich game he had Dummett come out and say they need to look in the mirror Lascelles said the same yesterday Bruce after the Norwich game talking about the players not putting their boots on 
again uh, it's it's bordering on a questions about their desire and commitment again and I think for me as much as you know the players have worry you it's why isn't what's been worked on in the training ground it's not that they're just spending hours kicking a ball around aimlessly they are doing drills there's some good coaches there who are working with the players and all week they've been working on defensive organization just like they did in the run-up to the Spurs game they knew this was going to be a tough game and that they had to approach it the way they did against Liverpool at points and of course the way they did at Spurs and why that's not translating to match situations you know why against Brighton did things come awry so quickly that is a big question mark and I think for Bruce the only way to really answer that is come Sunday he gets a response and that's both in the team he puts out so we're expecting he's going to make changes the formation you know he's you're going to say the 4-2-3-1 experiment that was effectively enforced by the Willems injury that's been ripped up already so he has to go back to the drawing board already again seven games in they're going back to the drawing board it's remarkable saying that but yeah I think he needs that more than ever now that these players are very much on board what with formations Lee is it a case that he came in he had an idea of how he wanted to play the the Steve Bruce way if you will realised it wouldn't work then kind of thought okay Benitez had it sort of right with the players he had at his disposal Try to go with that. That hasn't worked, and now he's kind of in no man's land, thinking, "Well, you know, what, what what can I do next?" Yeah, and it is very worrying when it gets to this this stage, isn't it? It's almost like it's it's like playing football manager with cans, isn't it? When you just <laughs> keep going through every single formation, and I'm going to drop him, I'm going to drop him, and and eventually, you know, it ends in you know disaster. But realistically, I think. He's got to find a system that everyone's comfortable with. Rafa done it. You know, when Lascelles and Richie had the set two in training, um, it took them a while. There was some teething problems. They got used to the formation. They stuck with it and they grinded out results by the end of the season. They've got to sit down. They've got to find a system that everyone's happy. Everyone buys into, and everyone's going to say, "All right, it might not work first time, but we go again. We we keep trying it against Brighton." I've seen a lot of things at Newcastle United down the years, but players sprinting over the dugout saying it's not working and he doesn't know his position it's it's schoolboy stuff you know it's like why is that happening um on such a huge stage they've got to find some unity they've got to go out on that training pitch they've got to buy into it whatever formation they come up with and then they've got to go and put it into practice on a match day and, and at the minute that's not happening because i guess that was the difference last season when benitez didn't win until november we'll get on to people pointing that out in a moment, but he didn't win for so long, yet he always stuck with what he was doing. He always felt it was going to work, and it, it didn't change. Like we say, we've how many formations have we seen already under Steve Bruce? Is that an element? Do you think Bruce has got to be more confident with what approach he's taken? Like he's got to say, look, it's not working now, but in a few weeks' time, we're going to see the benefits. I think so. Um, with Ra- the big difference is that under Rafa, he would drill it into players' heads six, seven, eight times a training session, um, five, six times a week, so that it was they were hearing it in the heads by the end of it. And he would even do it with the with the media, with the journalists. He would he would keep saying the same theme over and over again until eventually um people were almost writing it um and doing it exactly the way he wanted. He kept mentioning the short blanket, didn't he? he mentioned that so many times, um, that you know 
it was one of the most read stories by the end of it because everyone was using the same terminology so he, he was able to get it into his head if Steve Bruce is just saying things once or twice on the training ground some players will go in one ear and out the other and on a match day they'll have completely forgotten about it and there was just too many sorry performances out there I mean there's been some strong words said from Lascelles and Carroll who came afterwards and there's a couple of other players have spoken which we'll see the quotes later in the week and people will make of them what they will but ultimately it's you know it's, it's got to be down to a match day and it's got to be down to showing that togetherness on the pitch you mentioned there the words from Lascelles um, you know like you said very strong the one bit I want to pick up on is <clears throat> the boys do care and having a man down is a disadvantage but we could have rolled up our sleeves and made sure they didn't score again but we didn't get into shape um, fair fair assessment but my question is he's the captain so why isn't he sorting that in the middle of the, the game on the pitch if he's come out and he can, he can he's clearly seen it because he's come out and said it two minutes after the whistle's gone so as captain surely he should have He's seen it and he should rectify it there and then on the pitch. The ball goes off with a throw and grab the player side. Come on, we've got to get into shape. Well, yeah, I mean, that was the thing about half time as well that that was the perfect time to regroup and kind of, okay, what's the shape going to be now? Hayden's gone off because obviously he was sent off just three minutes before the break. And um, it was so quickly after half time, the second goes in and then the gates just open, don't they? Um, but yeah, you're wondering with. You're not really seeing many vocal vocal leaders there at the moment. Um, again, like at Norwich, to keep going back to it, body language was, was disappointing um, in terms of... I remember there's one stage Leicester were 4-0 up and their fans started all in every ball, every ball they were hitting and Newcastle just couldn't get the ball back and there just wasn't that almost desire. They wanted it finished. Um, and yeah, I know you can point to someone like Richie not being there, but... He was there for the Norwich game. He's not going to be a magic wand solution when he comes back. Um, you can't all pin everything on some maximum coming back. A lot of these players are going to still be in the team. I think come Manchester United, you're still going to be surely playing Joe Linton or you know there are players in there, long staff, um, key. Uh, you know there are a number of them who will play on Sunday. He, I don't think he can afford to take eleven out and put eleven in. So it's down to them now to have that pride. Um, on a, against you know a traditional rival who they have played very well against before, but they really really need to respond and show that leadership and pride. I mentioned Julian there. He's getting a bit of stick on social media. Uh, Forty million pounds is he worth it? Benitez didn't you know want to pay that etc etc. But I mean he's not helped by the fact he's not getting the service. Um, yes, okay. That obviously the heat maps and stuff. Suggests you know, well, sure that he's not, he wasn't getting anywhere in terms of a forward position. I, I think he had one touch in the opposition box, but you know, he's it, not been helped by sort of being playing out of position and again coming down to the service. You know, if you're going to get score, if you're going to get Joe Linton's score, and you need to make sure he's getting the you know getting the ball into his feet and, and getting opportunities to actually attack the goal, not having to always or eighty percent of the game defend. I mean, I just wonder, has something been lost in translation with Joe Linton and even the Newcastle board to an extent? Have, has there been a misunderstanding here? Because the number nine shirt in Newcastle, it's iconic and it, it, it means something. It means that you are the man who is paid to get the goals 
and on a Saturday that's you will be judged on goals. If he's not an out and out goal scorer, which his Bundesliga record suggests, then he's the wrong man to be wearing the number nine shirt. If he would be bought in as a as a, just a general forward, um, and with forty million, but he's forty million for a reason because he's good at holding the ball up, he's good at bringing us into play, then people might understand that. But it, now he's got that number nine shirt on the back, he's going to be judged as a number nine. Um, but he doesn't look to me at this moment in time. Um, it doesn't look to me like a poacher, the the type of player that you would have the number nine shirt, um, you, who you would give the number nine shirt to. It doesn't look like that, the type of player that's going to, you know, knock people out, knock his own teammates out to get a goal. He doesn't look like that at the moment. He's not getting the service, as you say, but he's also not um, making the most of the little scraps he's getting. I mean, you, you talk to someone like... Um, you know Mick Quinn or Alan Shearer they, they were players who if they did, came off that pitch regardless of the result obviously they wanted a win but if they came off that pitch without getting a goal they were furious Joel Linton couldn't get off that pitch quick enough yesterday um, and that for me is a big worry and it's a it's a big fee for him to carry on his shoulders and he's still a young player so there is there is time but the the, the general supporter will look at that number nine shirt and he'll judge judge him on goals do you think they're regretting the Rondon decision <laughs> well it's funny isn't it because I think they felt there was no guarantee with Rondon despite you know the system being so built around him that he would be able to match what he did last season that there was an element of risk that if they made that permanent um, with Joe Linton I mean they, they've scouted him so extensively so that the idea that they you know, would have seen that he came in from the left or played in a deeper role and then that that's suddenly almost news to some people in the club would be worrying. I, I, I'd like to think that's not the case, but for me, you have to build the, the team around him if he's your record signing. And he's, you could see bringing Muto in the team was, was, I suppose, an idea of that, that he has some support, but it's true what Lee says. You know, you look at... Uh, last week against Brighton, he had a, a header he should have put away. And then you go back to the Norwich game, he had a header he should have put away there. So that's three goals then. Um, I thought he took the goal against Spurs really well, but we're, it is the goals that he'll be judged on for all the the kind of build-up plays involved. And that's lost when the team plays so badly overall, isn't it? Um, it's only when you know it comes together that it pays off. So, yeah, I think there's a recognition maybe that he needs time, but as we as we've said so many times before, you 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 have a summer like they do, and you make five signs in the final sixteen days, and somehow you have to hope it all comes together when a manager has been appointed in mid July. I mean, what other club could this happen in? And you're you're seeing that I suppose not bear fruit isn't the right word because it's a it's a horrible thing what's happening, but maybe this shouldn't have come as a surprise. I mean, they've kind of put all their eggs in one basket, haven't they? Forty million pounds. He hasn't really got any other option. I mean, Dwight Gale is out injured for foreseeable future, but that's not just kind of snuck up on the club. They kind of they knew that uh, the China the China trip was when he got injured. They knew that, and you know they knew his injury record. You've got Muto, who you know for all his effort and running, he's not an out and out goal scorer. So they've then gone and spent forty million on on someone who. Arguably, is in the same boat as Muto. Isn't a twenty-goal-a-season man, 
But Bruce Connolly do anything with it? What does he do? Does he look? He's not going to go look at the under twenty threes, or he's there's, not going to go and bring, bring no, Sarsen back. You know what I mean? It, it's, there's nobody that he could bring. It's a baffling situation to be in, though, isn't it? I mean, that's that's one of the worries at the club. There's nobody you can dip down in the under twenty three and go. This guy's a good kid. We'll put him in. It's not. There's there's no one. There's no out and out goal scorer even for the under twenty threes at the moment, and it, it is a worry. But you you look at. You know, he put Muto in yesterday. Muto wouldn't, won't, you won't get a better chance than Muto got right in front of the goal, and he didn't even, he didn't even connect with it properly. And yeah, he's been out the team, uh, first Premier League sort of minutes. But at the end of the day, you know, you're not going to get a better chance than you've that. You've got to, you've got to. I mean, that's Gary Lineker, or you know, for instance, he's put that in the back of the net with his eyes closed, you know, like uh, yeah, he's. In fact, you don't have to move it. You know, just just get in the the way of it, and it should go in. But look, it's. Um, they're the options you got, and they're not very good ones. We hope you've enjoyed this episode so far. Just a quick reminder to please subscribe and review to our podcast through iTunes, Spotify, or whichever podcast provider you listen through. Let's talk about McGraw and I feel like we're always talking about the same kind of three <laughs> players and John Joe Shelby, McGraw and Joe Linton. But it seems every week there seems to be a new issue or a new question over, you know. All of them, really. I mean, Miguel Amiro on this time, on the right, pushed back, well, in a very defensive role, and just didn't seem to understand either the instruction or he wasn't given any instruction, we saw. Um, I mean, there was an effort, Ben Chilwell, Dubravka saved it, and Ben Chilwell just, just walked past Kraft and uh, Amiro, and you saw Amiro come to a certain stage and kind of stop, kind of not not quite hands on hips, but not far off, and Chilwell's through, and it just... He started off okay in the game, I think. But do you think he's... Yeah. I mean, defensively, that's not... He's, he's not he's, no, he's not. I mean, he's here to... He's a playmaker, isn't he? And I think you were mentioning before about the fans in the States were saying that Newcastle aren't using him properly. Um, but at the end of the day, it's, when he gets in the box, it's the composure just just disintegrates and he, he makes the wrong decision. But... Oh... <laughs> You could go back. You can go back, and I keep talking about players' his, historic situations, um, and it's about having combinations. So Newcastle signed Andy Cole. That the next summer, Keegan knew I've got to get the right partner for him, and he signed Peter Beardsley. Um, he got him for one point five million um, from Everton. Unbelievable, an absolute snip, and he said to Andy Cole. Today I've, I've signed a player. It's just for you, you know. This this guy is going to make you, and he did. They got sixty odd goals between them. Um, so it's about getting the combinations right and the p- right players to complement each other. And the Keegan sort of era, the first time round that is, um, is such a a good period to reference in hard times because they did keep it quite simple. Really, Keegan wasn't massive on tactics. He was massive on motivation, but every player in that dressing room respected him because, like people like Rob Lee and Gavin Peacock, Kevin Keegan was their hero growing up, so he had that kind of oomph in the dressing room. People like Frank Lampard, Steven Gerrard, the younger players at uh, Rangers and Chelsea will look up to him at the moment. Whether the current generation of Newcastle players are looking at Steve Bruce and saying, you know, you were my hero as a kid, they won't be because it, it was quite a while ago so I think that that is all relevant at the moment and um, unless you can get a response out of them soon it's it's starting to look a bit worrying 
how does he get a response out of army one? Because if you're planning to absorb the pressure from Leicester and it looked like you'd put army one in a defensive position, surely you just say, right, either, either you don't play army one then, you play him more up the field, or you, you drop him to the bench and you maybe bring in you know, Yedlin and put Yedlin up there because he's more of a defensive player. I mean, that just it just means, struck me as a very bizarre situation of the instruction Army one was defend and then we'll try and run at them later. I just didn't. Yeah, I think he's, I get the feeling he's conscious of not dropping him, that that could really knock his confidence because I think as concerned maybe some people have been about the goal drought, obviously he's not scored yet for Newcastle. He's been here since, uh, you know, January. Um, player isn't one to kind of get too down about he's trying to keep strong about it but it's eventually going to play in his mind so I think Bruce is you know he could have dropped him for the Leicester game he didn't it's quite telling he didn't um but for me it, it just keeps coming down to the position I think Newcastle's tactic if you want to call it that for a lot of the season has been relying on Almiron that you get the turnover and then he obviously has the pace to to run at a team but it's it's not really resulting in a goal yet and it's a tactic teams are quickly figuring out how to block off. Um, you haven't, I don't think yesterday he had one moment where he had that, you know, that kind of almost trademark run at a defence and it's quite telling really. Um, but for me, yeah, it's the position. I don't think Bruce, he's openly admitted it really knows what he is. You know, he, in one sense, they call him a number 10. They say he's, he's scored goals wherever he's been. The reality is last season was the, the first time in his career he scored double figures and that was in MLS obviously MLS very different um, and I, I personally I would you know if you're going to use four two three one like you did yesterday it would have been really interesting to see him centrally I think playing him up front was a step too far at the start of the season because he's not a striker um, but we've not yet seen him really in that number 10 role I know people mentioned Benitez using Almiron as a winger but he wasn't really he was allowed to drift in and him and Perez and Rondon would interchange but you're not really seeing that with Newcastle's forward line at the moment and I think already you feel so much has almost been put on Sam Maxim and coming back that he's suddenly going to be the switch that makes it work but all over the park the cohesion is an issue It's very rarely that you give such low player wins um, but it was maybe Sean Longstaff the only one who came out there you know with any praise really um, I mean Paul Dummett didn't have a good game Emil Kraft just doesn't look comfortable he looks like he's still getting used to to the Premier League um, Isaac Hayden deservedly sent off very rash challenge I mean, we could go on we've mentioned there the changes he hasn't got the ability to change much for Saturday um, but I mean Matty Longstaff coming in for, for Sunday sorry well if Matt Ritchie's fit, um, even if he's half fit, I would patch him up and get him out there because he makes a big difference. He makes Newcastle tick. No surprise they've gone so downhill um, since he was injured against Leicester in the League Cup. That was a huge blow on Newcastle. Um, he's obviously been... He made a quicker than expected recovery, but they need to get him back in the thick of it because he won't let anyone rest. He's like, you know, he's like a cat on a hot tin roof, basically. He's always snarling away he's in people's ear he's in people's faces and it's it sounds negative but it's actually really healthy for a team to have that um he's he's basically like a captain figure he didn't want the captaincy 
because he didn't want the responsibility, but he seems to take the accountability when he goes on the pitch and he gets in people's faces. And if something's wrong, he tells them straight away. He's even, you know, battling with linesmen, he's battling with referees, trying to gain the team an advantage. Newcastle, you know, they, they need him. Um, they need him back quickly. Um, you said, you mentioned Matty Longstaff there. Yeah, I don't see why not. I don't see why he shouldn't get a chance. Could he do any worse than yesterday? Um, he's got the energy. He's got that sort of freshness um, and he's full of life. So I, I wouldn't have any issues if he was on the team sheet or at least on the bench, you know, give him a chance. Um, there's a lot of players that can have no complaints if they get dropped for the Man United game. And there's certainly, I've done a piece that I don't know whether it's on online yet, but uh, it goes through some of the candidates who've knocked on the manager's door and said, um, you know, I, I think I deserve my chance. And there's plenty of them. This is Acast Recommends. Every week, we pick one of our favourite shows. And this is one we think you're going to love. Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd, and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband. A baby podcast, that is. It's a spin-off of our show, Reasons to be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club, and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan, and the big short and moneyball author Michael Lewis. Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent Acast app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. And Bruce did mention or reference that in his post-match press comments about, I think he said four or five, one question on Martin Dubravka, I mean, he should have saved the body the first goal. Um, he hasn't been his best this season. What is it? Do you think a confidence issue? Would you would you keep him in for, for the game against Manchester United? Personally, I would. I think um, in a game you concede five, you forget he made quite a few saves as well. It's, um, for me, I'm always reticent with keepers to, to swap them out. I think you saw when they stuck with him last season after the Wolves game. It was for the better, wasn't it? Um, he recovered. I think, yeah, you mentioned a couple of mistakes with the Liverpool goal. For it was obviously one he won't look back happy about. Um, and I, Darlow is is obviously a good number two who's pushed him. But I, I think in an already unsettled team, maybe that might be a step too far to change out the keeper. I think you do need that core of you know Share, Debravka, whoever else you can you can put them together. Um, going forward because they are their best players and I think it would actually potentially backfire but who knows but for me I wouldn't swap them out So what does Bruce Gray do this week then build up to Sunday I mean is it sit down and go through the tapes and you know really drill home where the mistakes were is it right we write this one off it'll be better on Sunday uh, I mean not to say that's the right approach but an option what, what, what has he got to do? It's, it's an inquest isn't it I think the players in their almost away from the staff have to look at each other um, and the staff I suppose will look at each other as well. I think Bruce has said before you know a Monday after a defeat he's he's much worse than actually after the defeat itself and we saw a red in the face he was after the the game he'd obviously had harsh words to the squad so I think it's you know it's potentially quite a tense week ahead um, 
but you look at that after a performance like that you know you you need to see if Bruce is going to go out and go out do it his way and essentially you know smash some heads together because that's what that team looks like it needs and ultimately if that doesn't work then that is really really concerning because I know we've said this before he this isn't really a honeymoon period. Most managers, you know, have more than eight games, but God, he needs a result and he needs a performance probably more than the result in some ways. Is he under pressure, Lee? Well, I think he's, he's already said that. Um, but yeah, he is under pressure because if they become marooned at the bottom of the table, then people are going to be, even Mike Ashley, if they, if they drift, start drifting eight or nine points in the bottom three then even Mike Ashley's going to go hold on a minute my football club's going to go down in value here if I, if I continue to employ you so he will get time to turn it round that that much we know um, how much time well it depends on how quickly they can get a result but they've got is it Man United next Chelsea and then Chelsea after the national break um, how many points realistic if you had to put your, your mortgage on it how much how many points would you say and you guys are going to get out of that? On paper, you say none. So then you're two more games down the line and other teams might play catch-up. But look, sometimes football doesn't work like that. Newcastle is a crazy place. They're very capable of going up there and getting a, a win against Man United uh, because anything can happen at St James's if the circumstances are right. So we'll see. Lee Charlie had a little chat with Bruce after the game yesterday. What do you think that was? Do you think it's just... Pleasantries, or yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, two two quick things. I mean, at the end of the game, I don't know because obviously we were in the stadium, but I don't know if this it was transmitted on the Sky. Was Perez and Lascelles having a chat at the end? Um, Lascelles doing that thing where they they cover the mouth, and Perez seemed to be in full agreement with him. So whether it was something has happened that has happened in previous seasons and there was some familiarity from Perez to Lascelles on it I don't know it looked very interesting I wish I, I wish I did have the exact words for that one uh, Charnley and Bruce yes they had a conversation in the in the corridor uh, went on for a good 10-15 minutes um, I think Peter Schmeichel was waiting outside to speak to Steve Bruce afterwards he wanted to catch up with his old mate from Man United um, so was Charnley basically saying that that performance was not acceptable or was Charnley passing on something he'd received from Mike Ashley to um, to get his message across because obviously he wasn't there. So n- neither man looked happy when they came out of that room, let, let's put it that way. Let's finish then on the reaction of you know TV pundits or radio pundits. Um, I thought Graham Souness was actually spot on and what he said, you guys, I don't know if you saw, we saw on Sky, you guys were in the staging, but I thought he was spot on, you know, basically he said Newcastle should have more than what they've got, as in terms of quality, they should, they should be having, they should be, they should have better than I think he was talking about Muto, but in terms of just, I think just generally the options, um, you know, like Jake Humphreys uh, said, or Jake Humphreys just said, you know, they, they, the fans deserve more than what they've got. Henry Winter shared that, yeah, but it's been said so many times, hasn't it? We know they deserve more. It's a, it's an easy one for journalists outside to latch onto. We we know that better than anyone here. You walk around this city today, and it's yeah, people are devastated. You've lost five 0 It's Monday morning. 
you know the Blues are in full swing. We know they deserve more. That that's that's what the problem is, and that's why it's gone on for so long. So, look, I just hope that that on Saturday, let's let's keep it basic. Like on Saturday, can we have a better performance? Sunday rather, uh, can we have a better performance? And you know the fans who went down to Leicester and they were still singing it three 0 down, four 0 down. That's brilliant. You know it doesn't happen at every club. Um, I suppose the question is, I mean, lots of talk about whether. The anger should be directed at Steve Bruce, whether the anger should be directed at the players or whether the full focus has to be on the decisions that Mike Ashley's made up until this point. Again, it's like it's it's another thing like we we'll, we could go on until the, the cows come home. But Kieran, is it Steve Bruce? Not not a free pass because he's picked the players and he does train them up and what have you. But is this just a, is this just accumulation of Mike Ashley's decisions over the last few years and it's now coming to a head? Yeah, like I said, I think this summer has just been bonkers. You know, I know there have been some crazy summers here, but... This is just normal. Yeah, <laughs> where where else would this happen, yeah. you know? Um, I think for me, every, everyone has to take responsibility. I think, you know, Bruce has made decisions that have been questionable. The players' commitment and desire, which we for so long held as one of their big strengths, has really come into question, which is deeply worrying. And of course, Mike Ashley's Mike Ashley. Um, you know what you're going to get, which is um, always concerning. But I think it, for me, it already feels just you know what this season, what's going to happen in terms of this isn't going to be um, a, a mid-table finish, is it? And to be saying that seven games in for a club like Newcastle, um, you know, which for me shouldn't be second bottom after seven games um, no one has a right obviously you don't have a divine right to beat Watford to beat Brighton but to lose 5-0 to Leicester a team you know four or five months ago that they're potentially looking at maybe trying to compete with okay you can't always do that with finances but you can find a way against those teams of at least frustrating them at least showing a bit of heart and they didn't do that and that's just so worrying and you know as I was saying Man United haven't won away game in the league since February and they'll be coming here with all their problems it's a similar soap opera there at times and they'll be thinking you know what we'll have a chance here <laughs> we'll have a, a weekend uh, preview later this week finally final question does it worry you I think Kieran's alluded to this as well the fact that the heart and the spirit that was there when Newcastle beat Manchester City back in January when they beat Leicester City um, last season it just it all seems to have just disappeared it's not like it's it just where's it gone I mean it's not like one or two bad performances throughout the team I mean yesterday was everybody had a terrible day and it's not the only time that we've said five or six of them you know at least have had a poor game Where, where's it gone I mean I don't want to sort of like come out with the obvious thing but I will because um, as I mentioned earlier in this podcast in training if you're getting told something 8 or 9 times in the ear and that that's happening 4 or 5 times a week 8 or 9 times a day you're not going to forget those little tiny little nuggets of information that help win the game <sighs> Steve Bruce is an experienced manager um, he's, he can, he's motivated teams in the past I mean he's obviously read the right act out to them yesterday in the dressing room 
It's now whether they will they react to that. Are they are they frightened enough to know that if they don't perform, he's going to get rid of them in January? I, I don't know. Rafa Benitez was a very clever man in terms of drilling things into his players, and I think you know that might be the whole reason why you go from beating Guardiola's Manchester City to failing to uh, beat Norwich. I always say it and say a final question and end up asking another one. But you've said there, are they scared enough to the fear if you don't perform, you're going to get dropped? Would you agree, and Kieran as well, that under Benitez, that fear was already kind of installed in them? They knew every game they stepped across that white line has to be 100%. So is the hint or the suggestion that under Bruce, it's not, they're not fully feeling like that? And it's, it, it is... It's not until they have a performance like against Leicester where they then get a rollick and, and then they go, okay. It's different types of manager, isn't it? It's like we've, we've spoken about the one where the players are still close, age-wise, enough to a player that they watched when they were growing up, like a Lampard, like a Gerrard, like a Vieira. And then there's obviously the other ones who walk in with the CV, with the European Champions League medal under the arm. And that's what Rafa was able to, to do. Now it was Dave Bruce has had success he's got teams promoted he's got teams to cup finals um, but are the players are the players listening to everything he's saying are they paying him full respect that performance yesterday said to me no yeah it's I think with, with Bruce the, whenever you speak to anyone who's worked with him it's always about man management and how the players respect him and uh, bounce off him and react to him and whatever about systems and everything to to see how already you know it, you expect that from a manager who's coming to the end when players play like that you know not down tools that old cliche but you know wasn't far off it at times yesterday and as we said already, no honeymoon period in this job. Um, but you've looked at Benitez before when he's been at Real Madrid, Napoli, wherever he's left, kind of a foundation that other managers have taken on. Um, and naively, maybe, I would have felt that there was in place, okay, those players have been listening to a certain voice for, for a few years, but there was a solid foundations in place to, to get them through and then, you know, at least survive um, but you're already thinking the players don't even look like even just from 170 days ago when they won at Leicester it looks two completely different teams it's alarming that I've heard you say it looks like a manager at the end of his reign about a dozen times since the season's <laughs> kicked off that's that's the situation we're in it's yeah it's, I mean it, it I, I, no one wants to see that but you have to call it as it is. I don't think Steve Bruce would say that, that was a performance he would have envisaged. And as we've said countless times, you've had two of them already this season. You can write one off a season, but for two of them to happen in seven games, that is really, really concerning. But the players, as I said, they have to stand up as well. I, I, I personally don't think you can put it all on the staff. It's the players as well. This hasn't been the most positive <laughs> podcast. So, Lee, I'm going to come to you with a challenge. Can you finish on a positive? Um, I think you look at it and it, the players have got to look from within um, I mentioned one man before Matt Ritchie I think if he is fit for the Man United game you might see a different attitude on the pitch um, he might be able to get a few different things 
across and hopefully some of the players that have been knocking on the door get their chance and the having talked the talk in Bruce's office and asked for the chance we've got to go on the pitch and walk the walk well there you have it uh, this has been everything is black and white podcast please head over to chroniclelive.co.uk keep up to date with all the latest in cast night news including uh, the 23s tonight which is Monday uh, we'll have Steve Bruce's press conference on Friday and of course all the live coverage of the Manchester United clash on the weekend thank you very much This is Acast Recommends. Every week, we pick one of our favourite shows. And this is one we think you're going to love. Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd, and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband. A baby podcast, that is. It's a spin-off of our show, Reasons to be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club, and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan, and the big short and moneyball author Michael Lewis. Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent Acast app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts.